Chris, this this Dobbs decision and the overturn of Roe and the trigger laws that uh, a dozen plus states had ready to go has created a lot of confusion, especially in states where they weren't exactly ready to go. But there's a push, a quick push in some of them to implement uh, an outright ban or, or serious and severe restrictions on abortion. And that has led to a lot of people wondering, well, what's, what's my legal status? And what, what, what can I do in my state? And then a corresponding push in Congress to codify a right to interstate travel to seek abortion care. And one of the battlegrounds for this fight it comes out of Ohio, which is your and my home state. And I was wondering if you can give us an overview of what happened there in this horrifying story uh, involving a, a 10-year-old who needed uh, an abortion and tra- and they tra- she traveled to Indiana to get that care and there's a lot of finger pointing there's a lot of uh, you know insistence that different places and different states weren't following the law or that this wasn't necessary and also now a t- a potentially a, a push to punish the doctor in Indiana who performed the abortion um, could you give us an overview of what happened there and what caused this confusion and then the fallout this created I mean, what caused the confusion? Let's like just be clear. Like what caused the confusion is the intentional plans of this sort of legislation. Like this legislation is vague. It's supposed to be broad and expansive. The lawmakers who pass it say that it is broad and expansive. And that's on purpose because they want to scare doctors into not being willing to perform marginal abortions because they would be setting themselves up for potential criminal penalties. This is a felony in Ohio under the the six-week ban law that is now applicable in Ohio. And what that so that's the cause. Like, let's just like be clear from the get-go. Nothing else that happened, like, is the main cause of this. Like, the cause is the this was the intent of the law. It was intended to cause confusion. It was intended to cause fear. It was intended to cause difficulty for medical providers to know what behavior would be legal. What happened was the law was passed. It was put on hold because of Roe versus Wade. And then the day that Dobbs came down, the the attorney general of Ohio, Dave Yost, went to court that morning within the hour of the decision coming down to get that injunction lifted so that the ban would go into effect. Later that day, the judge complied and the ban was in effect. What was unknown at the time was that two days earlier, the Franklin County... Um, uh, not public health, children's services, I believe, Franklin County Children's Services, was alerted to this this abuse case, um, which led to uh, the police being informed of this abuse case. And this 10-year-old child who, based on the time of um, the the based on reporting that I've seen from the dispatch in the Indianapolis Star, um, that she was actually raped at nine years old, um, but was ten now. Um, went to this doctor in Ohio, but was six weeks and three days pregnant, 
And so because she was past that deadline, um, the doctor contacted a doctor in Indianapolis and asked if the doctor in Indianapolis would be able to help. Um, that doctor was. And so the family traveled to Indianapolis and this 10-year-old girl uh, got a, a, an abortion. And um, at the same time, um, the existence of this case appeared in a story on July 1st in the Indianapolis Star. Um, it sort of uh, became a crystallization of the fears of what these laws would lead to. Um, and so it was discussed. Um, and the fact that it was being discussed over um, a holiday weekend, to be blunt, when there wasn't a lot else happening, probably led to it becoming an even bigger story. Um, and um, by time... President Biden quoted, cited to the case in uh, his speech. It had already started. There was this counter um, uh, dialogue from the right that this case was made up, that the doctor who was quoted on the record by name in the Indianapolis Star story um, was they were questioning whether the story was even real, um, which then returns us to the Ohio AG, who this past Monday went on to Fox News and told Jesse Waters that he um, he questioned whether it was real. Um, and Jesse Waters specifically referred to it as a possibly being a hoax. Um, and... Uh, and Yost, uh, on two different occasions, he talked about the whoever the Ohio doctor was. Uh, he said, like, if they exist. And then once when referring to the 10-year-old, he said, if she exists. Um, and, and so there was this effort uh, to, to basically claim that the... The, the case wasn't real. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the checkers got dispatch. Oh, uh, I, I don't even honestly like we could get into that, but I don't want to get into that. Yeah. Like, I mean, there was <laughs> irresponsible journalism across the board. Um, but then there was responsible journalism and the Columbus Dispatch um, was present at a court hearing. Um, I believe I don't know what time is anymore on Wednesday. Um, in which um, the the man accused of rape in this case was in court and and was charged, um, and um, which then the the forces uh, who had been saying the case was a lie moved on to other things that um, the the man charged with the rape uh, is undocumented um the the questions about the doctor in indiana questions about whether there were appropriate uh reporting mechanisms in ohio um questions about whether the the 10 year old actually had to leave the state um which i reported the ohio legislative service commission uh said that contrary to what Dave Yo said, there is no categorical exemption for a, a 10-year-old who's raped. Um, and 
uh, and so now, now we're back. And I mean, like, that's the overall story, but like, oh, and I mean, in the course of this, like the Wall Street Journal, like issued a horrible editorial and, but like one point that, that I raised during all of this was this idea that like, yes, the journalism, like that the dispatch did was really important and good and valuable. And we want like factual reporting about the the claims made in this aftermath of Roe in this post Roe landscape. Um, this reporting is 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 essential. Um, but at the same time, it, it we we also have past evidence of what happens. Um, there was a brief at the Supreme Court from. Uh, NAPW, I think it's like National Advocates for Pregnant Women, um, that detailed um, that there have been more than 1,600 cases of women being charged or prosecuted for pregnancy-related outcomes since Roe, in between Roe and the the end of Roe. Um, And so, like, we already have evidence that people who are pregnant can be and are prosecuted. Um, We already have evidence that uh, they are investigated, that they are coerced by the state into taking actions, um, primarily uh, related to uh, drug-related investigations. Um, And we also have the pre-Row landscape. We know how police and prosecutors and uh, agents of the state can, can act and can be coercive to women, even if uh, women or other pregnant people don't have like criminalization of themselves personally, they can still be coerced. There's an incredible book by Leslie Regan, when when abortion was elite was a crime, I believe is the name of it. Um, And uh, in that book, uh, she details extensively ways in which uh, women were coerced by the state pre-row despite the fact that they weren't being charged um they they were forced to testify against doctors um and, and i use forced in quotes um it was always a situation where the police would claim that they weren't coerced but then uh leslie's book looks at the the uh, actual circumstances and you you sort of look askance at the claim that these women weren't being coerced um, there was one situation where they were like literally stopped by the police as they left a clinic and and were told to come down to the station um, and, and so like the, this this is the reality that we have. And so to say in light of all of that evidence about how pregnancy outcomes were criminalized under Roe and how people who were pregnant were treated before Roe, to to say that we should look at any claim of a horrible thing happening now and and allow anybody to make a presumption that it's false is it, it just... It, is belied by, to quote our our friend uh, Sam Alito, 
belied by history and tradition. History and tradition do tell us that 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 women and other pregnant people are going to be treated horribly, and and um, and it, it's important that journalists not fall in a trap of spending all their time proving whether every claim of a horror story is true, and instead looking at at, at what are the mechanisms of power that are enabling this, and and. and what is the the harm that those elected officials are allowing? Thank you for listening to this sample of the Insurgents podcast. To hear the rest of this episode and for more bonus content, please subscribe at theinsurgents.substack.com.